0: Hey, welcome to Philly Coco Psy Project Spotlight, <laughs> episode four. We'll get it eventually. I'll remember this someday. So my name is Kotaro. I'm Steve. And I'm Aaron. And we are here to chronicle our continued journey into making an exclusive Kanji flashcard watch app or iOS or watchOS, I guess. Filly Coco is a local meetup community of Apple developers. And our purpose is to help and support iOS and Apple or Mac developers on their journey to making awesome applications and products. In this particular season, we are trying to build our own watch app. This is kind of to hold us accountable to that as we record our progress every two weeks.
1: The last time we had talked, we had just gotten data working.
0: We were trying to flesh out the UI. Part of my sort of follow-up was to get more of the UI fleshed out, not only from a wireframe point of view, sort of like a sketching out the layout and trying uh, the visual layouts and theming of everything, but also do some implementations of that as well as notifications for you.
1: In the notes from last episode, we we're, we were trying to get a working process prototype of the swipe UI and saving of user stats?
0: Okay, so I failed on the swipe UI part, and I think that just speaks to my fear of the of the um, of the implementation process. Um, I've been looking at a few implementations online, one being deck UI. That is an interesting implementation, but it feels a little bit overkill for what we're trying to do. Um, so I'm looking to try to implement a more simplified version of that. Yeah, that's my goal is to, to finish that up this next sprint. But for the most part, I sort of try to lay out the pathways for like the main menu. I've also added like a quick onboarding that would sort of replace the import process. However, we decided to do it. It just sort of has a welcome screen and you press continue. But during that period of time, in theory, that should give the app enough time to sort of process the JSON and to put it into core data because it's like, what, a couple seconds, I think. And so for now, at least, the goal is to like uh, have that onboarding there. And then when you press it, we save that the fact that you press that continue button uh, in a user default. So just a plain old Boolean. Uh, So that way you never see that welcome screen again, and then you're just taken straight to the main menu, which allows three options: um, Card test to do your tests uh, there manually, um, the list, which in this case Aaron has updated to uh, now only show the items that you had seen, the kanji that you have seen, and then settings, which is just basically all the configurations up that were put in later. Um, so that was my. Oh, go ahead. The onboarding
1: screen is looks good and it and it works. Uh, in fact, the import is so fast I don't even notice when, I, when I've run it so far. So I <laughs> yeah. So I still don't know what it's going to be like on a, on a really old watch, but I don't think it's going to be that, that big. And we could improve that UI a little bit if we want to, if we think it's going to be slow, we can put like a...
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. One, one, one idea I had in mind, I definitely have in mind, is to create sort of like a completion handler for the data import for us to know when the import is finished so that we can block or provide some kind of UI indicator of like very subtly that there's something happening um, during that period.
1: There is some built-in Swift UI now not there to do uh, progress. Yeah, so we could do something like an AC a await style approach no i don't even mean that i meant like the user interface elements there's something called a progress view it's a spinner well there's a spinner but there's also ones that give you the, that illustrate the actual progress oh, oh oh right 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 they they add numbers part of complications but i think you can use them elsewhere and that's new and i only know that because uh i was looking at complications the other day looking at the wwdc video to try to figure out how to help complications work oh that'd be great to add to
0: the complication Mister YI. why i
1: you did get the onboarding screen done, and but and you're still working on the swipe UI. Um, that's that's
0: my promise to you to get that implementation done by this week.
1: <laughs> uh, you also linked to like the screens together, so we had like a, we had a settings area. You could move from onboarding. So yeah, the whole the app
0: kind of was wire. Yeah, basically skeleton app the structure of the app. I also created wireframes to sort of help at least give us some visual guidelines of like where we can go with this app um, aesthetically if we want to like update the UI. Yeah,
1: I mean I I, I use that to add stuff I was working on into the app into the existing uh, you know, framework and I copied your I well, at least at one point I was copying the the uh, card design you had at one point I was experimenting with it. Okay so that's good so how about an Aaron uh, I had down that you were just supposed to be uh, getting a public interface at a Kanji database so I mean I think you were successful with that.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a bunch of things for um, accessing like either a random Kanji for like the notifications or just the next flash card you see and also the stats tracking so like really basic it can when you can say oh I I viewed it and it was correct or incorrect and i i updated the data model to actually say what was the last view was that wasn't in there and then linked link the the entities together as a as a relationship um yeah that's that's huge so thanks for that it's a one-to-one relationship every kanji has a has a stats entity that goes with it even though they're all nil when you hit it started So i made sure that it, like one is created the first time that you see it like it, if it doesn't have a stats entity yet create the stats entity and assign mm-hmm. it to that kanji so that that's seems to be all working um but and as, as far as uh, i know kotro said there was something seems like a bug or something what you're getting like multiple views i think that kind of has to do with the ui isn't right like you're not confirming and dismissing the card correctly with the i'm just kind of like tapping on it and using the, the the thing the flip that we have to to like update stats and it's not dismissing the card so it's getting multiple things but once the swipe ui is in there
0: it should work i think yeah okay that makes sense then we can just yeah we should. Just swap that. We move that logic over to the swipe. Yeah, makes sense.
1: So one one thing I noticed as we're we're all independently working on this is that we're coming up with different vocabulary here to describe the same concepts. And you know that's always something that happens with you know when you group projects. Like for instance, I'm just looking at the code right now, and in the user stats data manager, which is the new the new thing that Aaron made, I think you have did you have did view did did confirm corrected confirm incorrect. And I think the correct and incorrect is whether you knew the kanji or not.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I have always like. Throw something in there. I would like think about. Oh, what do I call this? And it's like I don't know. I just need to make up a name, and we can we can refactor it with consistent naming once uh, once we decide on it.
1: Yeah, that's why uh, that's why I bring it up just to illustrate for the, the the listeners here that that kind of thing is very normal. So some some groups you might you might plan that before a sprint or something. Maybe you would come up with a shared vocabulary at some point. Or in our case, uh, we're just there's just three of us. We're just doing it, and then you know there, it's easy enough for us to just see this as it's happening and evolve. Like I was trying to think of the vocabulary for. for and I was thinking in terms of like known and unknown is what was coming into my mind. I was trying to think about what does it mean to swipe on? What does it mean that I am like correct or whatever on on a, on one of these um, you know, kanji? And I was thinking, oh, it's to me, it said, oh, I know this kanji or I don't know this kanji. So that's something we should um, nail down a little bit now that we have some user stats, uh, you know, interface. Uh, but it sounds like Aaron is the one who got everything done on his list <laughs> and then some. Not everything. I feel like such a slacker compared to Aaron. Well, I didn't have any. I didn't have too much. To do um,
2: this weekend, so I was just kind of doing everything the last two days. Thank goodness for Aaron, because
1: <laughs> I was doing everything yesterday. I um I got really busy this last week, and then before the week before that, I was doing the podcast edit and stuff. And then uh, so yesterday, I was just do I was I spent like all day yesterday trying to get stuff working.
0: I think it's kind of funny because I do notice like in this sprint, I had a lot a fair amount of time the first week, and then my time just got really jambled the second week of this sprint. Um, and the funny thing was is like I was planning 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 on it in the way that i was thinking i was going to have the time in the second week so it was like an unforeseen uh unforeseen chaos where i think going forward my goal is to figure out a better plan of attack of like making sure i get all the core things done this is how i used to this is how i usually approach sprints these in my in my mind how i should be approaching sprints is the first week is to get all the features done and then the fine tuning happens the second week the bug fixes the so really focus on getting the feature bits done um and that's how i approach game jams actually is make sure that fundamentally the work is done in the first week so that the second week I'm not panicking and like going like oh I need to like do all these things and like regretting all the decisions I've made um that I didn't I sort of pushed off to the last second in which case I just didn't do it um for myself. So that is my retrospect retrospective going forward for this sprint is to try to get that all done this week.
1: Uh yeah I'm gonna agree with you. I, I'm gonna try to adjust my time management. What about you, Aaron? Um
2: I definitely like most of the the like functionality that I've added is really bare bones. So but I still don't really have any kind of algorithm to you know, sort the the stats. Well, there wasn't any stats when I first made the, the class. So there wasn't any stats to work with. And now that we have some stats, I need a thing for generating a random one that is appropriate or the, the, where the user at, is at with how many they've seen. I need to work
0: on that. And one of the things, interesting things I'm, I, I also consider the settings to be is almost like our configuration manager. Um, you can look at it That way as well. So maybe consider adding some sections in there for yourself just to like say, okay, like where the user is, for example. Yeah, I was thinking about doing that. Yeah. Beginner level, intermediate level, and then advanced level, right? And then that way that that will allow or opportunities to like say, okay, we're going to start them off with like a really hard one versus like an intermediate one. And that'll also help you in your progression of testing, like in terms of like, I I don't want.
2: Yeah, I I was going to like turn it down for for testing like to only like 20 or something, like the first 20 in the ordering.
0: this also would be a great great time to add like a, a reset like a reset button and even a clear button to just remove everything from the database.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was at one point trying to get some things uh, like wired up like that for debugging purposes in the settings screen. And like there was some and some and different approaches I was trying and it just didn't work out. So it's not in in the code base. But uh, I was trying to create like a like a I was probably going to create a debug menu. At one point I kind of had a debug menu. I was starting and uh, uh, I was just only going to be available only if we were like building the debug version of it. Uh, but it didn't quite work out, and I ended up but doing something. But anyway, that's a good idea. We do need some better tooling for testing now that we actually are trying to, we have actual data in there, and we're going to try to record user stats. So can I lean on you for that uh, this coming sprint? Who's you? Uh, Aaron.
2: Yeah, I get. Uh, so you want like a whole new debug thing, like a whole new
1: view? Yeah, yeah, yeah my day job app. One of the first things I did was on the settings screen, I had two options. Actually I had like a a logout option, but I had a a reset the app option and I had a clear cache option. So they were like slightly different, but I had the reset app option, which is a nuke option, like literally deleted everything. And just to get it back to like as close as possible to the state, the app was in when it was initially installed on the app store.
0: My point of view about it is much more about just take the settings view, add all the buttons of like reset, delete, um, delete database, import database, whatever re-import or whatever you want to, you want to use, whatever is good for you and then we can kind of like flesh out what ultimately will be useful to the user but we definitely want to have a view for that. I mean, eventually we could just move that into a debug view in itself but for now just put in the settings view so we just have an easy access to it because nobody cares at the moment.
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about doing something like that anyway so I can start adding some now that the settings view is useful.
1: Yeah, you're right. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, sometimes you got to you got to build your own tools here. Uh, I guess I didn't really do much about my retrospective so I wrapped it up real quick. Uh, Notifications was my main thing. So I was, I did get notifications wired up, uh, although when we started this meeting, it wasn't working again. But uh, I got notifications set up. I had a little. I have a little area in settings that I started to flesh out where you can schedule what I'm calling prompts. So speaking of vocabulary, trying to think about what to call these things. I don't want to call them notifications. I'm not sure that was appropriate. But I don't know what the vocabulary would be. So I started calling them prompts. For And the idea would be the notification is just you checking yourself against one of these flashcards. Uh, but I have a section in settings for this. And then uh, you're, the idea is you, you're going to pick some time period. I'm not 100% sure or what those times should be—that's something we need to talk about. But I did get the plumbing kind of wired up in Swift UI and had some issues figuring that out. We can talk about, but it's not fully fleshed out. Much like Aaron, it's it's kind of a um, it's kind of just a skeleton thing right now. Or it's not uh, not all the options are in there, right?
2: Well, now that the stats tracking thing is in there, you can wire up those buttons to actually track stats. It should it should work.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the, the buttons. Well, everything about wiring it up took longer than it should have because uh, the notifications got way more complicated since the first time I implemented them years ago. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you thought you just needed like one one thing, but you need like a delegate, and
1: you need. A- oh my god, I, I'll I'll go into it. I'll go into it. on uh, Our next topics because it was it was it was a little bit of a trip. Um, so notifications. Uh, notifications. Uh, when I first did this was like many years ago. Notification used to be pretty simple. When I mean, we had UI kit UI kit apps, uh, you had some methods to override, and pretty much you know you could do that in app delegate, and you know you'd override some methods for re- receiving notifications and making sure that you, know, you got the authorization and everything. It's not too bad, right? Uh, uh, and they didn't really do much. You didn't have anything to do with the UI of notifications early on. You know, you would just, whatever the, the payload was is what got shown by iOS. And you could tap the notification and, and go into it. And then they added later like buttons and they added ways for you to like to intercept the message and do things with it and add like images to it or like like richer, you know, stuff. And then you have on watchOS. These, I, I don't know if it's just watchOS. We have the dynamic notifications, which is literally a Swift UI view that can be displayed. And because the watch has these short looks and these long looks so it, it starts getting more complicated and I'm looking at the documentation for it and the documentation is all, all referencing UI kit stuff and so, and so like I'm like where how, how do I wire this stuff up it, it it was a little bit of um an issue so one of the first things I had to figure out was that well, when you're doing notifications first thing I had to do is how do you authorize you know you have to get authorization so I was like where do I even do this in a Swift UI app because this is really my first Swift UI app besides a uh besides some tutorial thing so I'm like where do you actually go then so one of the things I tried different places. Typically, the recommendation is to get authorization like in context and so you don't necessarily want to do it right when the app launches but there is an option that Apple added I think like, some years ago now provisional. Was it iOS 14 maybe? or Was it 13 or 14? They had these provisional notifications when they redid Notification Center. I think that's when they did this where you can give notifications before you get explicit permission and then they give you your ask for permission when the notification first comes in and so I tried setting that up and I, I thought it was working but we'll see. But I was trying to figure out where to do this app because we don't have an app delegate in a Swift UI app. You have an app, a struct that is, that follows the app protocol. Also, one of the things about, I, and I have a lot of issues with Swift. One of the things about Swift is, it does it's not at all obvious when something is a subclass or something or when it's just implementing a protocol because for some reason it seems like the syntax doesn't distinguish that, which is really frustrating to me coming from like every other language I use where it's clear. <laughs> it, but anyway, that's a separate thing. But yeah, because this app thing, I'm like, where do I put this? How does this work? Uh, and so I, I actually actually added an init method to that class or that struct I keep saying class because you can tell I mostly work in different languages Uh, so I added it I put it in the init there to request the authorization I thought it was working but now I'm not so sure so I have to check again
0: Um, it's interesting because I remember seeing some docs about it um, either Ray Wangelick or some other tutorial site Um, one of the things if you're just trying to get access to the um, to to like the background or I think there are some modifiers uh, within window like that what they call it in, in swift ui it's like um in the windows group um where you can like check if it's active or it's just background um like for an example of like if it's in the background or it's going into the background or coming back from the back like i think.
1: Oh, you, yeah. The, the, there's the, the scene phases. I, I found that out looking to Apple. Because I was trying, one of the things I was also trying to find out is what are the lifecycle uh, hooks? Because in UI kit, you have an app delegate. An app delegate has some very defined methods that get called at different times. It's like, it's you're, everybody's used to this in iOS development you, that you have certain methods going to be called and uh, you can understand the states. But with Swift UI, I was like, where where is this? Because I, I was just thinking along the lines you are thinking, Cotra. I was like, well, normally I do this, uh, you know, after after the app finishes launching, you know, launch with options or whatever. And I was like, well, where, what's the equivalent of that? Or what's the equivalent of when the app becomes active? Really what I wanted was when the app first launches, because I don't need to get authorization every single time necessarily. It kind of sticks around. You're supposed to call it all the time, so it didn't really matter. But I was looking and I didn't know. So I I ended up with, I I did start down the path of using the scene phases, but I thought that it was working with the init. So I didn't need to go there, but maybe I want to, maybe I'll refactor it, especially if it's not quite working. But I also found the init because that, Supposed to go first, I thought. <laughs> I thought that was supposed to. I, I thought that's you know it would come before the, uh, the the scene builder stuff. One of the things about this this whole interface here, it's like uh, you go to the go to the body property where the meat of the app. I don't know what we call it, the app struct is, and that whole thing, it's it's like one of those Swift UI things where to me and to my eyes it looks like oh this looks like a function or something, or but it's not. You can't just put regular Swift calls in there. It just freaks out and has like you know because it's not because it's a swift ui thing and these be swift ui things or something there sometimes
0: I, I would oh so i guess what you can do uh yeah I mean, to be fair like because it's a ui right you sort of have to break out that's why sort of like a view model or mvvm style approach actually works really well in swift ui because you kind of want to keep that out of that logic and i think um you you add the logic in your modifier like your task or on-chain modifiers as an example
1: so I guess my point yeah, I guess my point is that I'm I'm, I'm not quite, I haven't quite transitioned my mental model to the way Swift UI wants to do things. and so I'm hitting a lot of friction points that are stupid if you if you understand this stuff but, but if you're not used to working in this, which I'm not, uh, the, the friction points keep slowing me down a lot even for simple tasks like you know I shouldn't have taken me as long as it did to get what I got working working. but that's what happens when you're you know doing things in a brand new kind of environment for you or in a new framework uh, and then that doesn't even get into how much Xcode has been a huge pain. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I don't understand what's wrong with this build of Xcode. It's just, it's so broken this year. It, it's uh, the, all the, the syntax checking, especially. They're trying, but it's, I had to keep restarting Xcode and it would, it's so aggressive with with um, the syntax checking and giving you errors. And sometimes the errors don't make any sense. And, and you're like, is that even an error? Or it, it would just take a long time for it to even pick up that there is no error anymore you know it you know what i mean it's it's
0: yeah i mean to to be fair it's gotten a lot better <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: but I mean, I'm running, I'm running on an M1, 13 inch M1, which until recently was the fastest MacBook Pro like you could have until recently. Like, I have a fast enough computer for, I thought for Swift UI. It's like, what did they build Swift UI for? Like, what computer if it can't handle But so the, my, my difficulties were really around um, the mental model, but I got, the, as I was saying, going all the way back to notifications, first thing you have to do is get the authorization. And once you have that done, then there's like all these pieces and it's not very Swift UI like at all. Notifications are still very much, at least according to the documentation I was reading, they're very much in the UI kit world. Like you have a delegate, there's a delegate to implement, there's like classes to implement. And uh, so I created a well there's already a built-in notification controller in the template for Xcode that we used, which is actually just a, a subclass of WK user notifications hosting controller, which is basically a fancy way of saying this is how they integrate the, the notifications stuff with Swift UI, because again it's 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 not built for. Swift F2Y. It's much older than that. So, so then they have some methods override, much more traditional things. Uh, but so much stuff flows through like one method. Like did receive. <laughs> it's like it's giving me flashbacks to when I initially started working on app delegates and everything was in there. Everything was in one method. Uh, and I was trying to figure out how to do it. I feel like the documentation is in some ways clear in other ways not at all clear. Because like just tell me where to put the file for one thing. Here's like a tip for writing documentation. Assume I literally have no idea what I'm doing. Just like assume I have no idea where to put the file. Like, don't just give me a snippet of code that says, oh, implement this method. And people do this on Stack Overflow too all the time. Tell me what the file is you're putting in. Because I got to the point where I was like, where do I put this code? There's no app delegate anymore. So where do I put some of this code? Uh, I'll get that. So the notification controller, though, I had to implement. And uh, that is the thing that actually you you use to show the uh, the actual view that represents your notification. Because we want to do these custom views, which is a new thing to me, a new, uh, a new Swift UI view. So I made a Swift UI view uh, for the notification and it doesn't have a lot in there at the moment, but uh, there is a notification view and then I have you have to populate that view with whatever information you get in the notification payload. So that's the thing that's complicated about notifications is in our case we run them locally, but you implement them essentially the same way, whether it's local or remote. There's some JSON that's coming in. It has some defined keys that need to be there for everything to work, like your title, right? But then you put whatever else you want in there that you need and you have to give it like a category name. You have to get it to, to link all this stuff together and then you have to like parse out whatever of information you want by looking in you know like the user info uh, dictionary and then basically in this notification controller you just link everything together you set up your view and and then iOS will display it so once you understand that it's it's a little more straightforward but I swear to you I read the documentation like like multiple times I'm like what how does this work because it, it breaks it down into little steps sort of but if you don't have the whole picture in your head it got a little confusing could have been also that I was uh, I was uh, tired or something because I was doing it like last minute don't do the stuff last minute um and then I guess the only other the other thing I needed to do that was completely different was, besides the view, there needed to be a controller or there needed to be something that uh, implemented UN User Notification Center Delegate in order to handle buttons. So that was the other thing. So once you get notifications wired up, you ask permission, you you wired up your SwiftUI view so that it'll show that view when you get a notification, right, uh, of a certain payload. Then you can add buttons because we want to have, we want to try to mimic in notification form as much as we can what you can do when you're swiping. So to add the buttons in, uh, you, you do that when you set up your view. But then I was like, I thought to myself, well, how do I actually respond to the button taps? How does that work? And this is where I was like reading the documentation. I was like, just tell me where the file is. <laughs> because they said you had to, you know, you have to like, oh, you have to have implement uh, a, a method, you know, new user you know notification center, you know, did receive with completion handler. I'm like, okay, great, but where? Like, I mean, in a UI kit thing, I would probably just start putting it in the app delegate because that would be an easy place just to start to get everything working before you refactor. But I'm like, where do I put this? Can, you know, do I put it in the app uh, struct? That doesn't seem like that works. And that's like a weird struct thing. So I can't just, can I just do whatever? And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And, and then so I just created a class and I'm not even sure if it needs to be a class off of NSObject or not, but that's what I, got, I did. I, I created a class and then I um, I just created a private, um, a private let in uh, the app struct. And that seems seems to work, I think. I think I'm trying to make, I don't, I, I, it needs to be like a, like only one instance of it in the app. And I, I think that's going to work but you would tell me I mean you're more familiar with how this lifecycle works for this because uh, that's how Aaron has this persistence controller too Or it's just a
2: well that was like based on the default thing that default core data implementation that they give you when you say I want to use
1: core data with my app but well, that's how they do it So I don't know if that's the best way right right well basically the same thing except I, I call the constructor though I
0: mean the way I've, I've, I've always I've always viewed the relationship of struts and class in SwiftUI at least is much more of a, like the struts are much more for the layouts and the the the, the values that I want to keep immutable. But if I have a class, I'm using a class that's much for the data model and the stuff that is much more structured around data state um, that I can manipulate it's sort of in the background, if you will. And that gets updated consistently using objects, observable objects and published properties. And then that way, if I change, if I'm changing anything that affects the state of the UI, I can just do that in the class itself. And I only have to in- instantiate that once in theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I was, I was yeah. thinking along those lines and I'm, I, I'm not saying I did this Right, but it it was kind of working yes yesterday. So it so here's a mental model for the people who are maybe more uh, beginners about the stuff. Like you have you have you need some piece of code that's in memory, right? Or just like, it can be, it can be like a stat, you know, um, initiated when you push a button on the notification, like what is going to respond to it? It needs to be somewhere in the app. It can't just, it, it can't just not exist. Like the, the way that it's set up in iOS is it's expecting there to be a delegate. Like there's a, you have to set a delegate for and delegate is like an old school concept at this point, but you have to set a delegate for the, in our case, the shared user notification system. Center object, which is like a singleton that it, you can just access from anywhere in the app. So you have to once you set that delegate somewhere on that shared singleton, it's it's established. But that means that the the code that you're setting as a singleton can't become nil; it can't go out of memory. You need to it needs to the reference count, if we're speaking reference counts, it can't go down to zero or it'll be gone. Right? So so I was like, where do I put it? And traditionally, you put that kind of thing on the app delegate, or you can because the app delegate is you someplace you know exists. It always it it always exists, which is why it became a clearing house for junk because you knew that at least uh you know that is the one class that's always going to exist in your app so i was like where do i put this so i don't know if i'm doing this right because i'm thinking along the terms still of the old school but then again notifications are still kind of in this weird in-between state where they have these adaptations for swift but it's still very much i mean a whole it has delegate callbacks so i mean that's what does anything in swift ui that's new have delegates is that even a concept that's used much anymore for new new code uh,
0: i mean it- I mean, if you consider like combined and that sort of like or closures in, in a weird sort of fashion, but I think now that you have like um, talking about delegates, I mean, you still have you can still implement old school delegates uh, or protocols for that matter to to do that work. Um, in many ways, that's what what I'm what I'm referring to when using classes. All that logic, all the traditional logic that you would use in like Swift, you do that all in the class and then you bubble that up to the, the view model for which then it updates the views themselves. Um, so you can, rev- you, can, you can sort of do all that sort of logic in, the, in a class, so like separate, um, and then bring that, and then update that up, and like update the view model to update the view um, and kind of use, and do it that way.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I like the pattern, the delegate pattern. I think it's just fallen out of, it, it's, it's, in, it's not as um, mainstream anymore with Swift UI
0: it's weird because like it's it's interesting coming from traditional ui kit um and even like objective c particularly like that was the pattern to go to when you had a situation like this where you need one to sort of understand what the other one's doing so to speak um and then like swift tried to get away from that with protocols and closures and that kind of stuff Um, um and then here with swift ui it's kind of like taking a full step further away from it but you still have access to it i think that's the interesting thing about swift ui as swift in general is that those tools are still there if you wanted to use ns notifications you could still do that uh, as another as another approach people would say that's like you know that's that's almost like old school like that's as old school as it gets but like that's that's a trick you can use
1: Uh, that that kind of brings me if you want to into the uh, objective c versus swift world (laughs) because again i don't do i haven't done a lot of swift recently uh, so every time you know, my the main app I work on is still mostly Objective-C because I'm not going to rewrite all that stuff. And outside of that, I do a lot of stuff recently in C Sharp and like Java type languages, you know. Like these these languages are not really much like Swift is. And Objective-C specifically, I really like. And, I, you know, I feel like all these new developers that come in to iOS over the years and they only really handle Swift. They don't grasp how well designed in some ways the whole Objective-C concept was in the runtime. Like you had a language where you can you're just sending messages. It's very different than anything else. It's not like a uh you know like a like a dispatch table you know you you you're sending like messages there's a runtime in the middle there, and you can just send messages to objects and if an object is nil, it doesn't crash necessarily you know because it it's okay for things to be nil so you you, you get into this this kind of habit of you, you don't worry so much about nil as much like you kind of implicitly check for nil. You know, uh, sometimes you like in an if statement or something if something exists, but you don't worry that oh, I'm going to call a method on something that doesn't exist and it's going to crash my whole app because it usually doesn't. Usually, you know, depending on you know what it is, I guess, but but because you're not really calling a method in a traditional sense, you're sending a message, and that that concept once you get in your head, it makes uh, Objective C, I, I think, a little bit more. I don't know, flexible some
0: ways. I mean it's very much of different verbosity-wise. I don't think it slaps you on the hand as hard as Swift will. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that because like Swift now that we switched to or now that we're moving to like async wait that will slap you on the hand even harder. <laughs> it's great though. I mean, I, I like it for the sense like it's 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 trying to enforce some level of discipline. Uh having said that, um, I think the struggle my struggles are the same in term was the same when i was first starting with swift uh the toughest part is getting you know a lot of times you're doing a lot of things like um people would do uh unique different techniques to sort of identify it or like account for like if something is nil right so like you're doing a lot of if before you would do a lot of if let statements where you say okay if this value has a nil you know don't do it and then it evolved into allowing to doing guard statements so you would say okay Instead of doing you, whenever you do an if let uh, variable equals nil uh, equals you know to ensure that there's no nil, a lot of times you might refactor that quickly and say, you know what, I, this is a guard statement, right? So then you just do go straight to return and then call it a day.
1: Uh, or like the the syntax for Swift uh, closures, like trailing closures, like there are choices that have been made in the evolution of a Swift language that I find somewhat baffling because they are, it's like they exist merely to look good in code snippets or something. But when you're actually trying to write the code, it's, I got into situations where I, I'm trying to figure out literally how to write a method and Xcode is giving me the method signature and it just won't like spit it out on the screen so that it works. It's weird. And it just, it'll like, and and I'm looking at example code for the same method signature, but because it's like I think with the trailing closure syntax, it looks very different in the snippet than in the than the template. The echo is trying to spit out, and you're like, and you're trying to modify things. You're constantly, I was constantly getting error messages about the syntax being just so wrong. I'm like, geez, man, just like frustrating.
0: Well, what I find what I find interesting is like it's never quite clear because there's like feels like at least there's like 20 different ways to write the same code, uh, or like closure is a great example of like um, and. I think once you get it you get it but it's like when you're starting out like it's not as opinionated as you would want it to be um
1: yeah i just pick one like that's kind of the thing i have with swift it's in objective c there wasn't there's was not like a gazillion ways of doing things like uh, the syntax for uh for closures is horrifying in objective c but you can go to a website and like just find out the one kind of or the handful of ways of doing it that's pretty horrifying but but
0: oh jeez I mean, I, 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 you know, that's a tough part because like Objective-C is is very verbose and that's what people are frightened about it. And the thing is, but- Why are they frightened about that? Because they, they're used to having to, like if you're coming from like a JavaScript point of view, right? You're used to your code completion being, you know, not as like complete, like Objective-C will like, you write the first two sentences, you write the first two characters and it's already written the full line of code for you. So
1: it's- Yeah, the tools actually work on Objective-C.
0: Toolings are great. In Xcode for Objective C. Um, but the challenge is like you try to do that on some other, you know, just a basic text editor or something that's not going to fly. So I can understand people's like fright of Objective C coming in.
1: Is it? Is it because of the, I mean, but what I don't get is it really because of the verbosity? Because it's it.
0: Well, I mean, they would do unnecessary things. I mean, they're necessary for Objective C, but like, for example, just to like init a string, right? What do you have to, what do you have to type? NS string star, bar name, equals, uh, and a string bracket in it. That part of the verbosity. Okay. Yeah. Something, something allocate Like there's a lot of verbosity, right? And it's like, you can do that very cleanly in objective C once you get the mental model, but it's like, like to get people on board, like, and then on top of that, you have to, to assign a string. It's like at quote, you know, Oh, quote. Oh yeah semicolon, right? So like there's a lot there's a lot of, of unnecessary um, syntax or it feels unnecessary to beginners, right?
1: Yeah, I uh, I keep breaking my swift strings by putting at signs in front of the quotes and I'm like what's happening? And then and I'm like what's happening? Why is it not working? Oh, cuz it's swift, not a check to see. And then the other the other thing I keep doing is in swift UI it's a lot of times the the methods seem to want a text object not just a string. And I, and I, for some reason, I'm looking at the method signatures for certain things and, and I just don't see the text thing and I write strings in and it just doesn't work. And I'm like, five minutes later, I'm like, why is this not working?
0: In a bizarre way, Swift feels very friendly to a JavaScript or somebody coming from a, a more church or ter- that's used to much more of a like terse language. Um, and
1: the thing about Objective C that's good that I feel like we're missing is the part of the verbosity that I was thinking in my head, not the verbosity about the like method about you know constantly typing things, whatever. But um, was that the method names? I feel like are clear, are clear, They're high. They're they're like and they're very verbose sometimes, but you they're all they're very consistent for one thing, and. You understand what's happening. Like I can, I, and I know that I know this is valuable because I lit- recently looked at code I wrote. I don't know how many years ago now, better part of a decade ago. It's horrible code, but the fact that it's written with this verbose style, which you know goes into like the variable names and my own methods names, like that, because I took that style and put it everywhere to follow the the kind of style of the framework. I can read this code and I can I can actually understand what it's doing. Whereas you, you, I, I remember I used to write Perl a lot and it was very different. You know, you looked at Perl and it was just a bunch of symbols. Sometimes you're there and you had to remember what they mean. or And in Swift, I get the same kind of deal where there's these shortcuts in the syntax all over the place. And, and I'm like, I don't need shortcuts when I'm writing code. I feel like Swift is sometimes geared towards shortcuts in writing code when what I really want is clarity when I'm reading code later. And I think Objective-C in combination with the tooling did a better job of that balance in a, in like a lot of my, you know my experience with it because it was verbose to write, but it was much
0: clearer to read. I mean, I don't know about you, Aaron, how you feel, particularly since I think, I don't know if you've done a lot of Objective C.
2: Not much, uh, just a tiny bit. Um, I was one of the people that looked at iOS when it was first a thing, when the App Store was first launched, and looked at an Objective C book, and I was like, nope, <laughs> and came back when swift was was a thing
0: i've heard i've heard that story a lot
2: because i'd already learned like javascript and java and other things so
1: i had the same feeling when i first did objective c uh i I was like what is this i couldn't even understand what i was looking at because of all the brackets you have to get used to seeing it so they kind of fade a little bit uh even now you look at a big screen of objective c and it can be it, you have to, like, you kind of go cross-eyed a little bit. Like, what? <laughs> it's just so much stuff. Yeah, I bought, like, the, like, standard textbook,
2: like, the Objective-C. I think it was Objective-C 2.0 at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Like, oh, the manual for Objective-C. And I looked, at and I was like, what is going on here?
1: Objective-C got updated over the years for a lot of common use cases being a lot... Cleaner and simpler, like you know, you can just do dot notation for a lot of stuff. They they cleaned up how you you know create arrays and dictionaries and stuff like that. They they did a lot of things to make the language better. And when Swift came out, it was a little bit of a surprise to some of us because I you know it felt like they were going to make an update to Objective C, like a like a leaner a leaner version of C. Instead, they have a completely different language. It works completely differently. Uh, but the thing about Objective C that I always liked was the runtime. Like I I did I hacked the runtime, <laughs> like I I did I did weird things the runtime to get. To, to you know like you know i've messed around with those those functions occasionally and uh and there's like i do i do like method swizzling sometimes that kind of thing like these weird hacks that were in there were um were fun but probably not good <laughs> in the long term
0: i mean i do i do enjoy a language that will allow you to be as sloppy as you want um and i think sometimes swift tries its best not to let that happen um having said that like it's not as i it's not as like I don't know like sometimes I feel like Ruby gets gets in my way more than I really care for it even though it's a very nice language. You doing a lot of Ruby? No, I did a bit. Um and Swift feels similar in that regard even though like I can still it, it it's weird cuz like it's two it's on two different it's like on two different spectrums right? Like on one level I feel like I can do some really obnoxious stuff in Swift and um have to apologize for it later, right like you could do emojis in your text fields or whatever like you could do like really absurd stuff um in your case statements um yeah, for example uh but the 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 on the flip side it was like say, well this particular styling is what we want you to do for the code
1: like optionals
0: yeah like optionals are like the big ones are like in this case like right now I'm fighting up against when and how I do um, async await stuff and so i'm it's great once you get it, but, like, you have to – there is a learning curve to getting it.
1: <laughs> okay, so, Kato, I haven't done the async await yet stuff yet in Swift, but I've done it in C Sharp. And the way it works there is the async stuff is like a virus that once it infects – no, I'm serious. Like, this is the way it works. Once you try to do one method with async await, you have to change – you know, you have to then – in C-sharp, that now has to be an async method, which means the thing calling it has to be an async method, which, and it, you have to go all the way up, and you get to the point where people, it's like I literally the other day had to write one method to make an HTTP call. Just an example, okay? The class that they want you to use from in, is HTTP client, which is like all async and it's really hard to use it synchronously like i think they added in the more recent versions of net they have i think a synchronous call but the version i was working with there was no synchronous call and i really need a blocking call for this okay don't just because it's old legacy code is and i actually dropped down to a much older api to do it because like i couldn't do it cuz otherwise you're you're hacking around the asynchronous stuff and i is is Swift async await like that? Like it's a virus where everything uh, up the stack or is it is it implemented in some different way where it's a little more easy to integrate in
0: pieces? It can be. Um, one example is like when I tried to do an async await uh, and then inside the result of a closure uh, and that didn't like it at all. It, it stopped you from doing it until you encapsulated that in a task, um, which I'm still not familiar with, but I think that's what that's
1: C sharp too. Like everything it's all this stuff works with this concept of tasks. And that's kind of why it all gets crazy because you have to, you know, be returning tasks, not the actual result because everything's happening. Think about it. When you're doing async await, you're putting things in some other process, some other thread, you know? So it has to handle that stuff in the background. So it has some kind of framework for doing
0: that. Right. So sometimes like I keep trying to figure out like, cause I put things in act, I mean, like those type of tasks in an actor versus a class uh, so, like run you know doing a call to like you know pull some data down, and then when i when I do that, I want to run like there's another process that happens as a result from a closure, right? Uh, like and that maybe that's legacy code that's happening it was actually no actually it was kind of funny. I was doing that on um, it was a different project. I think it was on like some extension, and I was trying to get and that extension had it traditionally had its template had a um, a closure. But they had, and I was dealing. I was trying to do it in a task. I, I finally figured out to do it. Like when I got the results back from the closure, I just wrapped that async await in a cl- in a task, and that kind of fixed that problem. But then I realized that same closure, Apple had an async await version of that 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 call. So I just used that, and I was like, oh, it's beautiful now. Um, and so that
1: that just kind of goes to show you when you're when you're doing like greenfield code, and you can use the latest and greatest stuff. That you know, Apple or whomever your, your your framework provider is providing, can make your life way easier. If you're working in an older code base, this is where you hit these friction points, and that's where in in the, I hit those problems. Now we're in a project where it's all greenfield, so we can use whatever we want. So we're going to use async await where it's appropriate. Is are we? Is anyone? Did anyone implement anything with async await so far yet? Do we, I don't. Want, I I didn't need to do it yet for notifications because that's handled by the
0: OS, so I don't really do anything like that. I think you don't need like i don't know how integrated it is for core data related stuff but and even then it's like we'll have to see like how we write the code like um, i'm gonna probably look at maybe like whatever aaron's doing and saying if there's any async away opportunities i might bring it up to aaron about
1: um yeah i mean the biggest one would be processing the json was the, uh, the, the the one
0: yeah
2: i was looking at that i was like oh should i do this and i started running into those oh what is it what's the error of Async call and a non asynchronous context thing or whatever, whatever, and and it's like nope. I was like, uh, I don't need to worry about this right now. I'll just do it the old fashioned way.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it works, it works. I mean, the, the reason you care about the async away stuff generally is because you want your user interface to not be messed up by the uh, processing of something that's going to take a while.
2: Except we don't have a UI if we don't have any data, so it's kind of.
0: I think I think the, any opportunities to look into using async rank is wherever you're doing a dispatch. Um, global or somewhere that maybe think about an async away a sync weight approach but that might be like that might be a good starting point it might not and it, it, it might just be like somewhere where you consider it not necessarily utilize it yeah i don't i don't know if it's the best thing for
1: yeah no i i would say my my advice is just do it on the main thread until it until it doesn't work like, yeah. like we're the, not like
2: doing any networking that's really where, where it's like networking stuff and you're waiting for for a response for for something and we're, since we're not really doing any networking in this app for now um, i don't think we need it
0: we should we should just we should put a web view in there just for kicks and giggles
2: no. well well what do i really want to do what i really want to do is um my my demo that i made a, a million years ago of like passing views between things i want to like flip cards between other people's devices which i think yeah i with like uh, local Local uh was it near nearby interaction, I think is the the framework.
0: Well if you if, if you want to start another feature branch and stick that in, feel feel free.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's 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 like a two that's a 3.0 feature for the app. I don't it's I don't know how how necessary it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I had that working. I, I think it's a lot easier to do now. But, but pull up nearby devices and then like fling stuff over.
0: Like a, like a ninja star,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, I was doing, I was doing that on the, on the iPhone before.
0: I think we had joked about that as an idea, as like ninja stars or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I I made like a little demo app doing that. and It sort of worked, but yeah,
0: that's actually really cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. Future future features. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's add that. Let's add a card to that. Too late, man. We're adding card for that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether. Yeah, it was it was it's a fun little fun little tech demo that I made for that.
1: Yeah, that's it. That that'll be like after after we get the
0: after we get the core functionality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's in December. Just keep in mind, like the goal of this app is in many ways to test to to learn a lot of. I mean, part of the thing aside from like deploying it and you know, Aaron gets a wonderful app on the App Store, but the 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 other key thing that we're trying to do is get. Uh, to learn a lot of this this specific, uh, specific tech uh, whether it just be watch os development in general async await core data you know new name it right like this counts as a learning experience and we can expand as much as we want
1: yeah exactly and that's i mean that's what i'm, I'm taking out that's why i've been i've been having a good time learning this stuff uh so especially for someone like me is my, my day job just doesn't let me, you know, a lot of us are working on legacy code bases. Why? And, we, and most of the time is on those things. And then it's it's a challenge, but it's also fun to switch to the more modern way of doing things and try to get your, your mind wrapped around that.
0: All right. Well, I've added a card for you and it's introduced. Don't worry about it. That's a version two. I probably should even create a tag for that, <laughs> but uh, we're getting close to the end. Uh, So I want to make sure we wrap it up, so we're not like over over time. Do
2: we? Do we really talk about our next next sprint? Yeah, Yeah. we got we we turned this into a why Objective C (laughs) is the best language ever TED talk. So.
0: Well, I think we've talked about it a lot in terms of retrospectives of like what we were doing, what we didn't do well last last sprint, and what we could do better this sprint. So I think we're kind of okay.
1: Before the next sprint, one of the questions I had uh, that we still have to resolve here is um, for notifications specifically. What what is the scheduling we want for for this kind of thing? Is it uh, I I started down the path of kind of following what the um, Breathe app or what do they call it now? Whatever they call it.
2: Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's a good place to start and we can band on it later.
1: Yeah, but I don't know what it 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 has these features for start of day and end of day and, and I could not figure out where does it get those what is it what counts the start of day and end of day? Where does it set that?
2: Is that like your notification summary whenever you get that or no?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying is it like something that it's is it pulling that from some setting somewhere else in in the, the watch?
2: Is it your like wake up time and your
1: yeah, I don't know. That's why it might be. So for us, it might, what I'm saying, it might not apply if it's not some publicly accessible thing, but that like concept.
0: So I think for you, uh, Steve, focusing on the core functionality and allowing for the, op- the options to, for us to be able to set them. Like if, you know, just say like, be able to be able to set them at whatever specific times and then stack them, like, you know, schedule them basically. That's the real, that's the real thing that I think that's important. Like figuring out the, the timing like you can set like templates for that if you want but just keeping at the core mechanics of that that's really the most important thing to get done for the sprint um as for you and then um what what's the like action um do you want it just to like totally
2: dismiss the notification or do you want like another option to like launch the app and say i want to see more stuff now or do you want it to always just kind of go away whether you say i know it or i don't know it it just kind of goes away
0: i think i think it might be two it might, yeah three uh know it don't know it dismiss or now for i guess more info or something like that
2: yeah because then then the um i don't know if you want to say like when you don't know it automatically goes to like the back of the card view in the app
1: well it's a notification so we're more limited you 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 can tap notification go into the app or you can you can do one of these buttons and then we can we can respond to it sort of but you know it's a notification it's separate
0: i guess a yes no a yes, no, and I guess if, if it's intuitive enough, tap onto the, the notification to go into the app to deep link them into that, that uh, section. Um, otherwise, uh, or and dismiss, right? Just completely. Like, so yes, no, dismiss. Those are the three options. And that'll be it.
1: I mean, yeah, and when we want to be able to schedule the specific times you want this thing to remind you. I like the, um,
2: the workout thing where you can say like mute for today and just say like, don't show me anymore today like I, I i'm sick of these go away for today so that would be that would be the a good third option
1: to schedule these it's there needs to be some method to give me what kanji to schedule next so that uh i guess leads into aaron right and your area
2: yeah well right now you can just use that random thing but like i'm i'm working on the now that we have stats i'm going to work on it's like a simple simple algorithm for like how to wait how many times they've seen it and and all that of whether they should be in the up next and also like what level of like, oh, how many, what's the pool I'm pulling from? You can expound upon that. Um, yeah, right now it should, it should just be like one method and it'll just be like, you just call the next one from the end and I'll figure it all out.
0: Whenever wherever we're saving that like frequency, whether we need to update core data for that or to add a parameter for that, but just basically say I want um, or just add it as a as a user default, like a frequency default. And just say, I just want four. That actually makes sense to me, but um like three times a day. And then if it's muted, it's muted. Yeah.
2: Cause then because that comes back to the I think we talked about this, the complication. You wanna have like a thing of if I if I looked at if I wanna look at four in the day, and it'll like show the progress of how many you've looked at, another thing.
1: Okay, but you're gonna do a uh you're working on the algorithm then for, for next time to actually and and you're just going to expose it for me and and for Gotra, it's just a method.
2: Yeah, it's just going to be like get the next one. It's just going to be like, a, and it returns one. It returns a kanji.
0: So the other thing, um, I think for you, Aaron. So, like, I th- what what did we say for you to help with, uh, expand on those algorithms, um, the, the random stuff,
2: the settings, the stuff for also for the and uh, kind of ties into that
0: too. Uh, let me let me play around with trying to set up the flip uh, the swipe um, mechanic, and if I have trouble, I will maybe like see where you're at, and maybe we can work together on that.
2: Yeah, I started trying to do it, and then I was like, I don't know, I am wasting too much time on this. I just want to get the to see. I was wasting too much time just to like see that the data was updating on on a view, like the, that they viewed the card or that they have said yes or I know it or no, I don't. So I just kind of said, oh, that's that's Cotero's job. I'll let him handle it. Yeah. But I, if if you're too busy, I can look into it some more. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you like, are you actually like putting gonna like put cards like in the Z stack, like other cards or right? Cause right now I'm just like updating the, the same card.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking maybe like the one at uh, one probably one card for now, but even then I might not even update I might not like 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 activate it until it becomes the active card, so I'm not going to do anything too complicated there.
1: So uh, this next this next sprint takes us through um, Thanksgiving and takes us to the end of the month. So at the end of this, I, I think if we actually accomplish this, I think we have a working app. At the end, we'd have the swipe mechanic with and the data stuff that we almost have enough data. Uh, we have enough we have enough data methods now to actually record the data we need, right, and look it up. So if we have a swipe mechanic. And that's saving the user data. And we already have the kanji in there. And then if we get the notification in there, uh, we basically have a fully featured app, don't we? That kind of works. You, you can actually look at your kanji. I mean, the more polished, but.
2: Yeah, yeah. the only problem is that there's really, yeah, there's no, there's no real logic for how many kanji. It just like spits out like all the kanjis or any random kanji from like the entire database. So I need to limit that to a more reasonable number to start. Yeah, and that's that's my
1: thing I need to work on. And then we, we need to start on the App Store Connect stuff in in December. I think if we can just submit it by the end of December, I'll count it we can count it as a success if we you know, but we we really want to get some test flight builds going too.
0: I I will count it as an absolute success if we get it in before Christmas. I will I, I will be fine and happy with getting well first of all i'd be fine and happy getting it whenever we get it out but i think for what we would call this to be a successful project probably the end of the year let's say that
1: yeah and and that means that we're gonna by the end of next sprint wherever we are we're gonna have to make choices if we're not you know at that point we're at the, we're gonna have to like really decide like you know make some hard cuts next possibly next time so you'll get to hear that
2: yeah i don't know if the complication is gonna make it into the
1: yeah, the complication. I didn't even get to talk about the complication. Maybe next time I can talk about it because complications are its own own complex thing, and I, I didn't have time to really figure out how to get it to work. I I, I just want to get the freaking app icon in there, and even that requires too many little pieces of code, so I didn't get it done. It's it's not I'm sure it's not that hard once you figure it out, but it's again it's one of those things where it's all broken up in a whole bunch of different pieces. So yeah, we might have to. We, complications are actually an important part of WatchOS stuff, but it might actually yeah we might actually have to cut that because that's its own kind of little subtopic anyway that's something to think about for next time so i got down notifications and handle the actions uh for me we got the kanji algorithm and the public method that i'm going to need to use and Kotro is going to use that's aaron's job and then the swipe mechanic which is a big job in itself for Kotro, and then also we'll be doing the podcast for next week
2: maybe i'll take a look at complications if if i have time
0: i'll see i don't know look at Aaron and taking, taking the lead. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, if you want, if you want, if you want to crack, just make sure you put a branch out.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we didn't mean, there's, there's lots of stuff we can talk about next time too, about, uh, about how we handle, how we handle that stuff. But for now, I think, I think we're good. I think it's been a successful sprint. I want to say another successful one. We got the yeah, every 80, percent of what we 85, 90% of what we were trying to accomplish. Right.
0: Cool. Well, thank you all for coming. Uh, and we will see you guys or gals, everyone, in the next uh, episode of Philly Coco Size Project Spotlight. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. Gosh, damn it.